Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lake Mount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7 p.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. anyone lost a pair of shoes, they're right there. I won't pick on Ivy for two weeks in a row. That's not going to happen. <laughs> All right, how's everybody doing? Yeah, feels like summer, am I right? Come on, it's good. All right, looking forward to next week. Podlympics is going to be awesome. Don't let Elijah intimidate you. You could easily win as well. Elijah. <laughs> All right, we're going to uh, get into the word tonight. We've been talking about uh, friendships, relationships, and community. How many were here last week? We we're digging into community, looking at Acts chapter two, and uh, tonight I want to um, I want to dig into the most important relationship in your life, the most important friendship in your life, and um, everybody at one time. Who do you think is the most important relationship in your life? Yell out the name. All right, you guys are doing good. Okay. So I want to I talk about your relationship with Jesus, and I want to talk about it in terms of friendship, which sometimes maybe, you know, eludes us, uh, you know, because of the reality. I mean, our relationship with Jesus is different than any other relationship, right? And yet there is, there is the opportunity that we have to actually genuinely relate to God through the Holy Spirit, to the person, uh, to, to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in uh, in a friendship way. The Bible says in the Old Testament, okay, so like before the cross, um, Moses, this man of God, actually, the Bible says he spoke to God face to face the way that friends talk. And for me, you know, I, I read that and I'm like, okay, that's Old Testament, Old Covenant, you know, it's kind of, you know, Paul talks about it. And he's like, that's totally inferior. If you think that's amazing, you should check out what we get to live in. And yet, if I'm honest, I still kind of get jealous of Moses. Like, and so the reality is, is that what Moses walked in is a picture and just a shadow of what is available to you and to me. That we could actually genuinely grow deeper in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, the, the, obligation portion of, of your walk with God starts to take a back seat and the actual enjoyment of genuine relationship takes the front seat. Sometimes we feel like our walk with God is like, okay, maybe a bit of lists of, of, of do's and don'ts. And that's realistic. That's understandable because the Bible actually provides standards for us, talks about the things that, we, that, that God blesses and the things that God curses, the things that God welcomes and the things that he doesn't welcome. And and the way that we need to align to his standard. If we lack in relationship, the standard starts to feel like our relationship is just a bunch of rules. And we miss out on the joy of genuinely knowing someone. And so I, I want to tonight just go into the word. I want us to just dig deep tonight into what is available in terms of friendship. I want you to write this down. I want you to take some notes because I think it's, it's good uh, regardless of how you learn, sometimes just taking some notes helps to kind of take what, what's being said. What you grab out of that is kind of like what the Holy Spirit's delivering to you. And you're able to kind of take that in and, and, and file that and maybe kind of come back to it for later, dig into it personally. I want you to write down these two words, friendship and revelation. Friendship and Revelation. This isn't our text tonight, but you can write this reference down. Ephesians 1 verse 17. The Apostle Paul praying for the church in Ephesus. He said, I keep on praying that the eyes of your heart would be open. I keep on praying that God would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you could impress your friends with really cool spiritual stuff. Yes, not what it says. I keep on praying that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation 
so that you could get booked at prophetic conferences. No, it's not what he says. Okay, he's like, I keep on praying that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Listen for the purpose. So that you could know Jesus better. This is the whole point. Any gifting of the Spirit, anything that God wants to do to deepen your level of intimacy with Him is not so that you can impress your friends with how profoundly spiritual you are, how much wisdom you have, how much revelation you carry, and use a whole bunch of christian stuff that sounds really cool here and nowhere else. None of that's the point. The point is to know Jesus better. Wave at me if you want to know Jesus better. Okay, so we're in the right spot, and this is where we want to go. I want you to take your Bibles and go to John chapter 14. And in John chapter 14, you know, these, these chapters, you know, chapter 13, Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. I, w- I just want you to get the context. Like, Jesus is about to be crucified in John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Okay, in chapter 18, Jesus gets arrested. So there's like five chapters of Jesus pouring out some super profound revelation, praying some prayers, and talking about what is about to shift because of what's going to happen when he goes to the cross and lays down his life and what opens up on the other side of the cross in terms of the person of the Holy Spirit being reserved for kind of one place and one time to now be available to everyone who calls upon his name that we can actually, I just want you to get this, we can actually walk in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, not like Moses had, like Jesus had. That's what Jesus said. I want you to go in the level of relationship that I have. I want you to have that. That needs to blow your mind. Like that needs to make you go, wait a, wait a second. Have I been reading the Bible like I just like honor Jesus, put him on the top shelf like there's nobody like him. But if I put everything that he did way up over there and just go, well, what chance do I have? He was Jesus. We're missing the point. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, that's how I'm sending you. And he's talking about in these chapters, not where we're going tonight in chapter 14, but he talks about it's good for you that I'm going to go. <clears throat> right? After, after his resurrection and, and he's spending time with the disciples, he's like, it's good for you. I'm going to leave. And they're like, this is not good news. He's like, it's amazing news because I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and rest on you. So a relationship with the Holy Spirit could actually and should actually change everything about your life. Not to be a religious person, not just to tick Christian on your tax form, not, not, like, not just to like have some kind of form of political identity. All of that is you know, less than secondary. Primary is to know Jesus at a personal level where his convictions become your convictions and you're not just gritting your teeth, avoiding sin because you're just trying to be a good boy or a good girl, but you're actually out of relationship with him, desiring to please him. And when you feel his pleasure, it changes your fuel and motivation from the inside out. Are you hearing me? This, this, this relationship, this is everything. This, is, this is, is where we need to zero in our attention. So in John chapter 14, again, he's washed his disciples' feet. He's, he's, he knows that Judas has split. He's like going to you know, work out his deal with the Pharisees. Jesus is about to be arrested in like an hour and a half. And so he's like, okay, I got some important stuff to say. And John takes out his pen and goes, oh, I'm writing this down, okay? And so that's, that's where we're at in context. John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus says this. He said, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Just let's pause and rewind. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Take your time here. There's some inference here that we need to make. Having his commands and not obeying them. Jesus takes that as, well, then you don't love me. You're like, but I just sang like crazy and I even cried a bit how much I love you. And, and it's like, well, that's cool, that's emotional, that's sentimental. But Jesus is like, show me the money. Sh- like, show it to me. And we're like, yeah, but you just love me as I am, right, Lord? And he's like, yeah, 
Okay, but we're talking about relationship. Listen, on the other side of salvation, there's too many of us who are like, we're like Will Ferrell and Elf sitting in a teeny little desk, overgrown spiritual kindergarten, lapping it for the hundredth time. Are you hearing me? We're, we're just, like, I'm saved, right? And like, oh, there's so much more than getting into heaven by the skin of your teeth. There's so much more. If all God wanted you for was to get you into heaven, you've heard me say this before, the minute you pray the sinner's prayer, he'd strike you dead. Okay, you did it, good. Don't screw it up, let's get you to heaven. There's a reason why you're here. Like, it's not, I'm saved, okay, great, now what do I do? I guess just live the North American dream and wait till I die. No, no, no. You could actually find the purpose of God for your life, not by chapter and verse, where's my name in this book? Spoiler alert, it's not there. But through relationship with the Holy Spirit, personally, who opens up this book and makes it spirit and life to you, and you find the purpose of God for your life. Okay? So Jesus begins. And he says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Staying right there in verse 21. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him and show myself to him. Slow down. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved, will be, future tense, will be loved by my Father. I thought God loves me. I've never been more loved than I am right now. Cool. Sometimes we swallow lyrics whole and we don't even think about what we're saying. I've never been more loved than I am right now. I don't know, either Maverick's right or Jesus is right. Are, are we coming or are we going? Can we just figure this out here? Um, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. I will love him, and I will reveal myself to him. Do you know that God wants to show more love to you than you've experienced right now, and he wants to reveal himself to you? That's what Jesus is saying. What opens it up? My obedience. We're only in the first verse that I want to read tonight, but I want us to get this. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Love is not a feeling. There's actions behind it. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show myself, will reveal myself, will bring greater revelation into your life than you had at the beginning. Like if you know Jesus as well, five years after you got saved, maybe you're in kindergarten still. Like you should know him more. And Jesus is throwing the door open going, this is what I want. I want to bring more revelation into your life. Verse 22. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot. I love how every gospel writer just wants to throw Judas Iscariot under the bus every chance they get. Like, they quote Judas at one point, and they're like, Judas, who later betrayed him. Right? Like, they just, there is no love for Judas Iscariot. So it's like, then Judas, not that Judas. Like, don't get lost in what you're about to read, okay? This is the good Judas. Ask the question. Jesus is in full-on teaching mode, and Judas, not Judas Iscariot, it's like, um, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us? Why do you intend to reveal yourself to us? Why do you want to open more of who you are to us and not to the world? Well, that's a question. Why do you want to reveal yourself, show yourself to us and not to the world? Have you ever asked that? Like Jesus, sharing my faith would be a lot easier <laughs> if you just show off a bit. 
Why don't you just like reveal yourself, God, just show yourself to my friends. Good prayer. But like God, just like prove it. Like just, just answer this prayer and blow their minds. Good prayer. But Judas, not Judas Iscariot, okay, has a question that I think we've all asked. Lord, why is there more for me than for them? Why do you want to open up more to those who believe than to those who haven't yet tasted and seen? Verse 23, Jesus answers. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will, future tense, will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All right. So Jesus is unpacking an invitation here that if you have spiritual ears that are open, you can hear it. You're you're like, okay, wait a second. What Jesus is saying is there's more than the moment of salvation. There's more than just walking in the door going, whew, okay, I'm not going to hell. There's more than just stepping into the classroom of spiritual kindergarten and just being like, can we do shapes and colors for the rest of my life? There's more. Hear me with faith tonight for you. Not just the person beside you, not just for pastors, not just, like there is more for you. This is what Jesus is saying. This is the invitation. Even as I preach it, it's in the room right now. There's more for you. Even maybe more than what you came here expecting tonight. There's more for you. You could actually go into the deep end with Jesus and spend the rest of your life going further and further into the depths of who he is. And there's this key to friendship and revelation that Jesus is talking about. He talks about whoever has my commands. Sounds like not everybody has them. Whoever has my commands. How do we have them? It's not a matter of just hearing them. There's a lot of people who hear the word. But, you know, even the Pharisees were good at hearing it, but they didn't actually know how to metabolize it and turn it into some kind of action. He doesn't say he who hears my commands. He says he who has them. There's something about taking what Jesus says and instead of scrutinizing it like, well, I'm going to pick and choose. Did you guys guys ever have choose my own adventure books at school? Remember those? Like, I want to see if this guy walks off the cliff or if he gets a girlfriend, right? Like, you just go flip to, right? (laughs) I don't know why those were the choices, but that's okay. There's some of us feel like we have an editorial authority over Scripture. And so there's parts of the Scripture, if we're honest, let's be honest because we're at church, okay? There's parts of the Scripture that we find challenging. And the challenge, sometimes if we're honest, let's be honest, we're at church, there's some things in Scripture we find even offensive. I can't believe Jesus said that. I can't believe that that would apply to right now, 2023. You know what our problem is in 2023? We think that progress equals more time. Like sometimes the answer to a question, like why are you doing it that way? How come this is the way things are? And people go, because it's 2023. As if it's self-evident that the longer we live, we're smarter just because we've been here longer. That isn't true. And this is the benefit of history. When you read history, sometimes you can have a crazy advanced civilization just hit the dumper because people just get absolutely absorbed in themselves and they forget shapes and colors. They forget the basics. And so progress doesn't just equal, well, we've been here a long time. Oh, it's 2023, thank you very much. And so sometimes we're thinking we're advanced just because we're further down the road. And so we look at some scripture, some text, and we go, I don't think that's for now. Why? Because it doesn't feel good to me, and that's our mistake. We think if it feels good, it's God. Well, guess what? If sin didn't feel good, none of you would do it. You ever think of it like that? Like, no one's just like, I'm trying to be a good Christian, but I'm just trying to muscle down this liver and onions 
in disobedience to God. Like, the fact is, if sin felt bad, no one would do it. And so sometimes there are things that feel good for us, like proper diet, like exercise, using that word picture. Sometimes those things that, that are good for us don't always feel good for us. And maturity, spiritual maturity, is when, when, when what you want and what you need become the same thing. That's spiritual maturity. Immaturity is when what we want and what we need are far apart from each other. That's basically childishness, right? What do you, hey, Billy, what do you want for breakfast? Snickers. What do you want for lunch? Snickers. What do you want for supper? Snickers. And Billy's eating Snickers all day, and guess what? What you want and what you need are not the same thing. And after two days in a row of Snickers, Billy's got the shakes and he's barfing a lot. Why? Because his craving isn't matured. And maturity spiritually is when what you want and what you need are the same thing. And discipline opens the door to maturity. Where I take God at his word and I obey even, and hear me, especially when I disagree. Like, Spoiler alert, submission, okay, like I am going to submit to Jesus. Most of us are writing our own report card going, I am so submitted to Jesus. And what we do is we write down all the things that, that we're pretty good at. And then there's some stuff that Jesus is asking of us, and we're like, I'm kind of just weighing that one out, you know, just sensing if that's what the Lord has for me, you know, just discerning, waiting for some confirmation, which means What? That means the spiritual language for, I don't want to do that. I want Snickers. And submission isn't submission until you disagree. How many think parking tickets are stupid? You mean I have to pay to park here? Yes. How much? $5. Okay, well, what if I just risk it? You get a ticket for what? $5? No, $75. This is stupid. Well, you want to park there. That's what it costs. Well, that's stupid. But I'll submit, meaning what? I will park with my $5, and I will pay it because I want to not part with $75. And submission isn't submission until you disagree. And Jesus sets a pretty high bar for love and relationship with himself. It's like you come into a worship service. If, if in the worship service with like no lead up, I was just like, who here loves Jesus? And every hand goes up. And I'm like, not so quick. Have you been obeying? Because that's what Jesus said. He who obeys me is the one who loves me. Like, but I have warm, fuzzy feelings about you, Jesus. Cool. I'm talking about next level. Actual relationship. It's opened up through obedience. But when I obey him, I'm expressing love for him. Possessing and obeying his commands is how Jesus determines if we love him or not. Here's some good theology. Jesus is right. Right? Like we, we could sit here and be like, well, I don't know if that's an accurate way of determining if someone loves you or not. It's like, cool for you. But Jesus being God and all, is right. And when you get into an argument with Jesus, guess who wins? Jesus. Even if everybody agrees with you, Jesus is still right. And obedience and submission are his love language. Because he's controlling? No. Because he's domineering? No. Because he actually knows what's best for you and doesn't have time to always explain it. 
years ago, Lisa's mom and dad helped out with youth ministry at the church that they were at. And, uh, you know, before there was like a full-time youth pastor, they just did it like, you know, they were kind of like youth pastors back in the day. And one day they, they took the youth uh, to Milton to the Kelso uh, caves there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's all these caves up there, and some of them like split open on the ground. And it's on the escarpment, okay? So all the youth are up there, and they're just, you know, they're just having a good time, whatever. And Lisa's dad sees these guys that are roughhousing and playing, and one guy is running as fast as he can toward the edge of the cliff. And her dad stuck his arm out and clotheslined him. <laughs> Caught him by the neck. Just boing, right? Feet up, hits his head on the ground, boom, he's out, just bam. And everyone's like, <laughs> like if it was today, like that's like a court case, right? Someone's in therapy, and, like, and now I've got PTSD because my youth pastor clotheslined me. And, and I was embarrassed because there was girls there, and I wet my pants a little. <laughs> he throws out his arm and clotheslines the dude. And the guy gets up and dusts himself up. Mr. Chrysler, what was that all about? And he's like, if I didn't do that, you were going to run right off that cliff and die. And what was in the moment offensive turned into an embrace of, thank you for helping me because I'm so stupid. <laughs> right? If we're honest, let's be honest, we're a church. Sometimes the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the standard of God hurts. But we're sometimes too stupid to see where we're headed. And so without time, there isn't time to explain it sometimes. We're full tilt. Yeah, can't catch me, clink, right? We are unaware of what's ahead of us, but God being God is. And he throws out the standard of his word. He catches us by the neck. And we're flat on our backs trying to catch our breath going, God embarrassed me in front of the girls. And in reality, what he's doing is he's got a standard that, though it hurts in the moment, it's better than what happens if I go my own way. And so wisdom and maturity starts to enter our heart. And Jesus sets the bar of relationship and says, the person who obeys me, that's the one who loves me. So I'm throwing into there, even and especially when you disagree. Even and especially when he hasn't explained it to you. And you're like, but everyone else is doing it. So, okay. <laughs> if everybody ran off the escarpment, would you run off the escarpment? <laughs> right? The reality is there's a lot of damaging behavior that are the norm in this culture. And what we have in the house of God and in this generation, let's be honest, we're a church, okay, <laughs> uh, is we can want to kind of run the direction that everyone's going and want an anointing at the same time and want God to use me profoundly. And God's like, actually, if you want me to use you profoundly, I'm going to need you to be set apart over here. You can't be doing what everyone's doing. You're like, well, that's not fair. But it's like you can't have it both ways. You can't be running off the cliff and hoping to not hurt yourself. So Jesus sets the standard and goes, I want you to obey. And the person who loves me, the person who obeys me is the one who loves me. And so, so God actually desires for us to actually be, be those who are able to hear his voice, to be in his word. If you want to hear God, be in the word of God. This is just like a couple of cheat sheets for you. If you want to hear from God, be a student of his word and pray before you read it. Not just, just read it like a manual, like God speak to me through your word. Wherever I open it, yeah, speak to me, Lord. I want to hear from you. If you want to hear from God, cheat sheet, maybe he could hear from you. Here. 
It's just a thought. Like, I want to hear from God. It's like, do you pray? Well, sometimes I turn my thoughts to where God, that's cool. God knows your thoughts. But the Bible also talks about prayer, like, being verbal and out loud. And we're like, we want God to come in. Like, God, come in hot. Just, like, blow, melt my face with with your revelation. And then, but we're just, like, having a whimpering side thought as we go to bed at night. It's like, maybe get into the word till it gets into you and maybe call out to God like David did. And as you're calling out to God and as you're in his word, then, third cheat sheet, take the words of Jesus, obey what you're reading. Obey what he says. Even and especially when you disagree. Even and especially when it seems completely uh, separate from 2023 culture. Even and especially then. Because just because it's 2023 doesn't mean we've made progress. We're going backwards in a lot of areas. But if you want to go forward in God, obey. And what Jesus says is, as you obey me, then I and my Father, we will come to you, we'll make our home with you, we'll manifest ourselves. God will show more of himself to you through your obedience. (laughs) Through your, your obedience, it opens up a level of friendship. It opens up a level. We need to learn how to possess the commands of God in order to fully obey. That requires trust. We need to go into the word and just come with the faith like a child and go, this is the word of God. This is how I'd encourage you to read the Bible. This is the word of God. This isn't up for my scrutiny. Like, God doesn't have to impress me with it. God's not waiting for you to go, you know what? I've decided I'm giving the Bible a 7 out of 10. I'm going to give it a good review on Goodreads. And, you know, there's some portions that I've circled because I really like those. There's other portions that are weird to me, and I skip them. God's not looking for your vote of confidence. He's looking for your obedience. And when we step into obedience, even where we don't fully understand or where we even disagree, that, Jesus says, that's love. And I'm going to show you more of myself on that kind of radical obedience. I asked you at the beginning, how many want to know Jesus better? Almost every hand is there, like, yeah, that's me. This is how. This is the beginning steps of how. Is I'm coming to the word and I'm saying, God, speak to me through your word. And I'm I'm coming with this mindset, this filter. This is the word of God. It's not up for debate. I'm not applying it to my life. I'm applying my life to it. This is the standard. I'm building my life here. And so I am going with God's standard, plain and simple. I don't need 27 books to try to unexplain what's really plain in Scripture. Like, like deception, deception begins when the truth is misused and is curved to fit an agenda. That's deception. So if you come to the Bible and you're like, there's some things that I've already settled. This is me. And these are my convictions. And I'm going to find the verses and the, the podcasts and the books that align with this. And I am I, this is how I'm coming to the word. And this is the way it's going to be. Thank you very much, Jesus. You're the Lord of my life in most areas. You're welcome. That's where deception begins. Do you know when Jesus was tempted by the devil, the devil didn't pull out the book of Satan? The devil didn't pull out a horoscope? The devil didn't pull out, like, rabid evil sin on the internet? He pulled out the Bible. And he quotes the Bible wrong. And he's, he, go, he takes Jesus to the top of the temple. And he's like, you should jump off. Doesn't the Bible say that he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways? Like, with an agenda, even the Bible can be perverted to become a suicidal idea. I feel like the Bible says I should just jump off because it says he'll give his angels charge over me. I'm running late for a meeting. I'm just going to go the quickest way to the basement. Just step out the window. 
Deception begins when we come to the truth with an agenda and we bend it to fit. Hear me. This is why Jesus says genuine relationship begins with him, with obedience. Hear me. Carte blanche, obedience. Blank check with a signature on it. My life, when I pray Jesus to be the Lord of my life, literally, if my life were a bank account, I have signed the check and handed it to him and say, spend me. I completely trust you. Take everything that I am and do what you want with it. It's not mine anymore. And when we possess areas of our heart in our own kind of lordship and expect to grow in God, we have some areas that we, we feel a little bit more growth in, and we have other areas that we're just lapping kindergarten over and over again. And I'm telling you tonight, obedience to Jesus, blank check obedience to Jesus, is what he receives as love. And the flip side of what comes back to you is he reveals more of himself to you. And so everyone, when I said, who here wants to know Jesus better? Everyone who waved your hand, what you were saying is, I want to increase my obedience to the word of God. And I want to yield my life, blank check obedience to what God says, to his standard and his ways. And in that radical obedience, God says, I'm going to meet you there with a deeper revelation than you have right now. More love than you have right now. I don't know how you fit that into your theological grid, but my theology is Jesus is right. So when Jesus says, I will love him, I will show myself to him, I will love her, I will show myself to her, what he's saying. Okay, think of the context. This is Jesus with his 11 disciples, because Judas Iscariot already screwed up and left, okay? So he's with 11 disciples in an upper room. Picture this. Picture it. He's around a table. He's just, you know, broken the bread and the wine, and he's like, this is my body, this is my blood. They're like, okay, this is weird, but I think you get it. He's like, I'm going to be crucified. You know, one of you is going to betray me. Who's it going to be? Jesus is like, is it me? And Jesus is like, yes, it's you. He walks out, and everyone's like, I don't understand what's happening. He's like, it's happening right in front of you, weirdos. They're sitting there. Picture this. They're sitting there, and Jesus says, the one who obeys me is the one who loves me. And if you keep increasing your obedience, I and my Father will come and reveal myself to you. Think of it. Jesus is sitting there in the flesh. Most of us would go, that's pretty intense revelation. I'm having dinner with Jesus in the flesh. And Jesus is like, there's more than this. So don't get jealous of the Gospels and go, man, I wish I lived then. Jesus is like, even to those guys sitting in the upper room, there's more than this. That means we need to get an increased appetite for the Holy Spirit and what he wants to open up to us through the word. And as we start with blank check obedience, he meets us with more intense revelation. The bottom line is this, obedience, write this down, obedience increases friendship with God. God loves us unconditionally, but Jesus also said that possessing and obeying his commands opens a new level of affection in his heart towards us. Both can be true at the same time. God loves you unconditionally, but possessing and obeying the command of God, your increased obedience opens up new realms of the love of God in your life. We're not talking about earning salvation. We're not talking about earning, earning deeper relationship with God. But think of it, think of it this way. Like, like when your parents, when you were little and your parents would say, hey, you know, clean up your room. They'd say that to you and your brother and your sister. Clean up your room. And your brother's like, I'm not cleaning up my room. And you clean up your room. If they were like solid parents, what they would say is, well, let's say your brother's name is Ricardo. Well, Ricardo, you're staying in your room while the rest of us have supper. Is that favoritism? No. 
this is a really important thing. Is that favoritism? No. Is it, is it more love? In a manner of speaking, what is it? Your obedience opened up the privilege of breaking bread together. If you guys clean up your room, we'll take you out for ice cream. Oh, Ricardo, you didn't clean up your room. The rest of us are going out for ice cream. Every illustration we use starts to break down in the relationship with God. But what I'm trying to paint the picture is Jesus says, your obedience, I'm going to open up more of the love of my heart to you. Because that's the nature of real relationship. Every relationship is that way. Any relationship that works, humanly speaking, is something that God has already patterned in his heart and given as a gift to us. Okay? So every relationship improves through effort. Okay? So the deeper the relationship, the more privileged the information. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to show more to you as there's more relationship. Amos chapter 3, verse 7, God says through the prophet, he says, Surely the Lord does nothing without first revealing his secret to his prophets. The problem with most people who want to grow in the prophetic is, as soon as they get a prophetic word, they want to impress everybody with it and say it to everybody. Well, guess what? If God just told you a secret and you told everybody, it's not a secret anymore. It's information. And if I told you a secret and you told everybody, guess what I'm going to do with my next secret? Not tell you. And so God entrusts us with revelation according to the amount that we will entrust him with mystery. The things that we just can't fully understand. God wants to bring us into deeper relationship. Secondly and finally, I'll ask the worship team to come. Friendship brings revelation. So again, obedience increases friendship with God. Secondly, friendship brings revelation from God. Here's a question. Why would God trust us with revelation of what we currently don't know if we're not fully obedient to what we already do know? Like, I want fresh revelation from God, and God's like, yeah, but you're not obeying me in the stuff that's plain in black and white. Yeah, but I really want to, like, be more spiritual and, like, really grow in my relationship with God. And God's like, yeah, but there's some areas of simple obedience that you're failing at. Why would God trust you with more revelation when you're not faithful with current revelation? That's, honestly, that's just good stewardship. And this isn't about earning things. This is about growing in friendship with God. Obedience opens up deeper relationship, with, which opens up deeper revelation. So, in John chapter 15, verse 15, I'll close with this thought. Jesus says, Again, this, this is the same conversation he's having with them just a chapter later. John 15, verse 15, he says, I no longer call you servants. He's saying to his 11 disciples, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Servants or slaves don't know why they're doing what they're doing. They just do it because they're told. That's the lowest form of motivation. Like speaking as a parent, when your kids have absolutely worn you out, the last rung of obedience is just, how come? Because I said so. That's why. Just do it. Why? Because I said so. I'm done explaining it. Servants, slaves, don't know why they're doing what they're doing. They just do it. But Jesus says, now I no longer call you servants because servants don't know their master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. Hear me. Friendship with God brings informed motivation to your life. You could actually have a motivation 
to the standard of God, to the word of God, when God says, here's my standard for, for relationship, here's my standard for, uh, for alcohol, here's my standard for sexuality, here's my standard for community, here's my standard for business, here's my standard for money and generosity, here's my standard for how to go through life. When we take God at his word and obey, Jesus says, now a chapter later, now I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Why? Because servants don't know the why behind the command. But friends do. A deeper relationship with God opens up informed motivation. Like I actually am starting to catch a glimpse of why he threw the clothesline out when I was running that way. I can see it now. I, could, I was going to run off the edge. Now I get it. And so instead of being mad at him for hitting me in the neck, now I'm grateful for that and I give him a hug. <laughs> and I don't run the way I used to because I've, grown, I've got informed motivation. I'm learning to, first I just obey. But the more you obey, the more God reveals himself. The more he reveals himself, the more you understand. The more you understand, the more fuel there is in your motivation to obey because you're beginning to catch more of the heart of God, the reason, the why behind the standard. Are you hearing me tonight? God is actually inviting you into a relationship that starts at servanthood and obedience, and you never graduate from that. Jesus wasn't saying to them, okay, now you don't have to serve me anymore. You can just be pals. We don't graduate from servanthood. We continue to serve him. In fact, Jesus continues in, in John 15. He's like, you're my friends if you obey what I say. No one else gets to say that. That's Jesus' territory. Like, I don't get to say that to my friends. You can be my friend if you do what I say. Okay, like, Jesus, being God, gets to say that. We never graduate from serving. But the more we obey, the more he reveals. The more he reveals, the more we understand the more fuel there is to our obedience because we're starting to see the reason for that pain was it was to stop me from harming myself in these areas. I didn't get it because everybody I know behaves in this way when it comes to whatever, sexuality, whatever. All of those things just seem to be what everyone's doing. But when I choose to obey because he says, he reveals more of himself to me and then suddenly I start to understand, oh, that's why. He's not irrational. He's not putting me through a hoop of a love test. Just prove you love me. Do something difficult just to prove that you're a good Christian. He has reason in his heart that's for me. This is the journey of relationship. Stand to your feet if you would tonight. And so this is... This, I'm, I'm like setting the table for you. You've got to grab the knife and the fork. You've got to go and dig in for yourself. Because in this room, one message is preached, but 120 messages are heard because God the Holy Spirit is taking this word and he's tailoring it to your heart. Where are the, where are the offenses popping up in your heart? Like, whoa. I don't know if God wants me to like just flatly obey or what if I'm living in an area of disobedience and I, obedience would mean I'd have to totally change a relationship or I'd have to totally change a standard or a practice that I'm living by right now. What if, here's a thought, what if it actually cost you something to follow Jesus? Now we're starting to get the opening lines. If anyone wants to come after me, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What if it actually started to cost you to follow Jesus? If you're doing it right, it will. It will cost you. But the cost pales in comparison to what he makes available to you. Friendship with the most high God. Revelation of his heart. Understanding his ways. The adventure of knowing him. It's the most important relationship in your life. And it begins with blank check obedience tonight if you'd say you know what 
I want to, I want to press into God tonight and I want to pray. I want to thoughtfully, prayerfully assess my life under that banner of blank check obedience of just, I want to get before God tonight and pray some things through and start right there. And, and in some ways, like, restart. Like, today, restart and go, okay, I'm going for it with God. If that's you, I want you to step forward. I want you to find a place to pray here at this altar. The team is just going to worship. We're going to just open up a place of prayer. And this, that's, that's all we're going to do. And we're going to spend as much time as we want to in the place of prayer tonight. Just come even while I'm talking, if that's you. And I want you to just find a place, probably just to kind of get on your knees, maybe bring a journal with you. And I want you to just begin to explore in the presence of God what blank check obedience would mean to you. It's a high cost. Denying yourself, taking up your cross, just going, yeah, blank check, Jesus. I'm going to obey you even where I disagree. I'm going to obey you even where I don't understand. That's the starting point. This is the standard. This is the call. This is where it starts. This is where relationship, friendship, and revelation begins. So, Father, tonight we take this time now and the word that has been preached and that has been opened to our hearts. We're now just coming to say we really want to count the cost sign our lives over to you in radical obedience, blank check obedience. And Lord, I pray that you would meet us individually here. Meet us in this place of devotion and prayer. And I pray for every single one who sincerely begins on this path that Lord, you would open up the spirit of wisdom and revelation to each one of us so that we could know Jesus better. That's our desire. That's our prayer. That's what we need. Thanks for listening to the Lakemount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week and we hope to see you soon.